Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my quiz. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny, so why doesn't everyone else think we're really funny? It's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? She's the most relaxed captain you've ever known. <laughs> you got me through my flight from Mackay to Adelaide, so thank you very much. Well, my dog is now called Judy Anderson. <laughs> oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change my team. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Polly, we had a week off. We had a week away from the podcast. I thought that was a good idea. I'm very glad we did it. Has anything happened in the cricket world during that time? <laughs> well, the 100 started. Yes. Uh, this time last week. So um, it's kind of perfect timing because we can talk about everything that happened last week. Um, we've actually got stuff to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I've been to one match, um, but then we're away at the moment. So uh, we won't see a match until kind of the end of the tournament. Yes, so at the moment we're in Ireland on holiday. Uh, I'm just looking out the window, beautiful view <laughs> over the loch. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous here. I had some wonderful weather as well. Um, so you say you've been to one match already. Mm -hmm. uh, where, who, how, what? I went uh, to Manchester Originals versus Trent Rockets at Old Trafford. Yes. Um, and... I mean, we'll get into that game, but uh, it was a pretty good game to be at. Mm -hmm. um, not as an Originals fan, it was rather tragic. But um, there have been some pretty amazing performances across the tournament so far. I think one thing I would say about the tournament in general, it seems very similar to last year in terms of the teams mm -hmm. that are doing well. And I don't think I really expected that to happen because a lot of the teams have had quite big changes in personnel this is right yeah different overseas um so i don't know i thought i thought it'd be a little bit more different but it does feel very similar i don't know i don't know about you but... yes yes i mean the, the three teams that got to the uh, final and the eliminator last year seemed to be doing they're in, well and they're in the top year. three again yeah. you know so then brave over invincibles Birmingham phoenix and then there's Spirit, Welsh Fire and potentially Manchester Originals are all playing for the Wooden Spoon. So, and then, you know, Trent Rockets and um, Northern Superchargers. Um, is there another team? No. I think that's it. They're kind of just wedged in the middle. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought I was a bit surprised by that. Um, but anyway, the first game between Oval Invincibles and Northern Superchargers, Lauren Winfield-Hill, I've been so impressed with her recently. Mm. Um I think it was quite cool to see her play against her old team. Uh, she got 74 from 42, Absolutely which was brilliant. really good. And then Alice Capsey came in at the end and hit 25 off eight mm -hmm. balls. Um, Susie Bates also played well, but um, just thought I'd include them. Um, so overall won that. Um, then Southern Brave played London Spirit, which this is always a scenario that makes me so sad when... For example, so in this case, Beth Mooney, 97 not out of uh, off 55... I'm pretty sure that's the highest um, ever score ever. in the women's 100. Yeah, because was it Jemmy that got 93 or something, or 92 yeah. last year? Um, but her team did go on to win. Um, Danny White hit 65 off 34, um, which obviously was a key performance for them. And yeah, no one else really performed other than Beth Mooney uh, for London Spirits. So 
that was kind of a shame. We all oh, we didn't mention this. Um, Charlie Dean getting the captaincy in the absence of Heather Knight. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Like I didn't. It's not I the first person yeah, that would yeah, come yeah. to mind. Um, but it's, it's good experience for her, yeah, isn't it? Definitely. You know, and uh, I think she's a good captain. It'd be a steep learning curve, I'd yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then Welsh Fire, Birmingham Phoenix, Phoenix won. Um, great to see Elise Perry uh, playing well again. Fifty-eight from thirty-one. Yes, it was an interesting innings from what I remember it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. She started off really slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly... She was like 7 from 14 at one point. Yeah. But then suddenly, towards the end, accelerated on mm. uh, to get... So 58 for 31 is brilliant. Isn't yeah. It? It's um, amazing strike rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, an interesting way of approaching it, I think. Mm. Then uh, Trent versus Originals, the one I was at. Um, so Abby Freeborn, I feel like... We need to have a moment of appreciation for Abby Freeborn because she's very underrated and especially for Sparks, she always pulls through. Um, and in that game uh, against Manchester, she hit 54, no, 45, I can't read numbers, 45 not out off 38. Um, and I think it was more the shot she was playing. You know, she was ramping world-class bowlers and, and kind of having... Having like holding a nerve and 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 playing more dangerous shots. Um, One of the things really that gives me possibly more pleasure than anything else in the hundred <laughs> is seeing players doing well who are not England internationals. Yeah. They're not uh, overseas overseas stars. superstars. Yeah, they're regional players or mm-hmm. amateur players yeah. who get the opportunity and take it. And exactly, um, yeah. No, I I think it's so good because also I think. Obviously, it's great when overseas stars perform well, but that, that's the reason they're brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the regional players aren't brought in because of like a wow factor or whatever. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's a really good opportunity to show what they can do. And Abby really did that the other day. Um, Catherine Bryce, another one again. Mm-hmm. Two from two, I think it was. Wow. Her figures were incredible. Um, yeah, again, bowled really well. But... The star of the show was Alana King. He got four for fifteen and a hat trick. And was it she would have got her Pfeiffer and four wickets in a row if they'd reviewed it? Yes. So so after she got the hat trick, the oh. next ball, uh, they went they appealed for LBW yeah. and the umpire said not out and they mm. didn't take it upstairs. Mm. But had they taken it upstairs, it would have oh. been four in a row, which yeah. is I I don't think I've ever come across that no. before. Especially and, not in like the hundred. And it would have given her a five. Yeah. Oh. But I suppose, I mean, yeah. They, they thought it, it, it was out. She's quite a good player, isn't she? Oh, she is. Now, this, is a, this is a thing I've noticed with actually a couple of the Australians. So I think Tylee McGrath, similar, recently debuted for Australia, but then her career has just flied since then. Mm. And the same with Alana. She made her debuts back in January, like all three of them. And then she's just absolutely rocketed off since then. <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh, I like good, it. Yeah, 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 that was good. Um, but I guess what Australia have done, and it's what England want to do, mm. is to create this production line of young, hungry players yeah. chomping at the bit <laughs> to get into the team. And the moment yeah. they're given the opportunity, they they take it and they won't let yeah. go. Yeah. Um, then Southern Brave versus Over Invincibles. Southern Brave did win, which... 
Of course, it was, the name Southern gives it away. Yeah, to. exactly. Um, Smriti Mandana hit 46 from 25, but I was really impressed with So Smell. Two from 12 from her 20 balls. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, and we did say when we interviewed her mm-hmm. that she only gets A-listers out. But it's so true. And so far, I think her three victims mm-hmm. in the two games she's played have been Alyssa Healy, yeah. Talia McGrath mm-hmm. and Danny Wyatt. I know, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, are you just going to get anyone average out? <laughs> that maybe doesn't count as wicked. But it's so. the economy which is more impressive, yeah. I think. You know, so t- only 12 from her 20 balls. Especially so, in the 100 where people are trying to whack you around. Exactly. I mean, that's better than Alana King's economy. Yeah. Uh, that is mm. truly impressive. So well done, Sophia. I know you listened to the pod <laughs> and um, you'll be taking some time out from the 100. So to... embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> um, Northern Superchargers against London Spirit. Superchargers won. Um, Bess Heath, I thought, was really good. Again, another regional player yeah. um, who's very impressive. 57 from 34. Um, you know, you would imagine that sort of performance from, you know, someone like Jemmy Rodrigue. So mm-hmm. I was impressed with that. Um, then Manchester Originals versus Welsh Fire. Manchester got a win. Well done. Incredible. Deandra Dottin, 67 not out from 37. And then Sophie Eccleston, 36 not out from 18. That was absolutely brilliant. Well done, world boss. We really <laughs> enjoyed that. And those two together at the end, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? You know, really put the accelerator down and, yeah. and put the game beyond Welsh. Poor Welsh fire. Oh, poor Welsh fire. It's all right. <laughs> the, the thing is... um. Mm, I'll say anyway. If you're going to sign for Welsh Fire, like don't expect to win. It's it's one of those things. It's like I think it it's the it despite the players they have, it's the aura of Welsh Fire. They just it's it's Wales. Yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> no, it's just I th- I think as I said before, the teams seem to be performing similarly to how they did last year, and that is definitely the case for Welsh Fire. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that our team identity sort of permeates mm. somehow. Um, but things can, things can be changed. Things can change, but yeah, yeah I, I can't see them winning the trophy. But anyway, um, then Trent Rockets against Over Invincibles, Over won again. Um, Eva Gray, another regional player, mm. um, not on a professional contract as well. So that kind of adds such a thing. Two for 16. Um, Played very well, I think was kind of the standout bowler. Um, Susie Bates, 41 from 32. She's been great. Susie Bates has been amazing. I'm I, so glad she's in this year. She's been... I, one of the things I loved, it, I think in the first game, mm-hmm. Alyssa Healy was yeah. mic'd up. I was doing interviews <laughs> throughout the game with the commentator, which is utterly bizarre. Mm-hmm. But Susie Bates was batting and they were talking about going out, celebrating in Birmingham <laughs> after the Commonwealth Games uh, to the walkabout bar and, and so on. It was just excellent. Oh, but so Susie Bates just looks like she belongs yeah absolutely yeah amazing yeah um and then briny smith the trent rockets three for 21 um i thought she bowled pretty well um kind of in a in a tough game with a with high scoring so one thing about overall invincibles Mm -hmm. reigning champions of course and we touch on this in today's interview is that they've got four overseas players who are absolutely amazing so they have to drop one and in two of their three games they've dropped the captain yeah Deliver Nierkirk, which interesting decision. I was thinking perhaps to do with coming back from injury, managing workload. Mm. There's nothing really that's been said about that. Um, 
they just said that they're not playing her. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was quite interesting. But yeah, you look at it and you go, okay, who can we? Oh, you can't get rid of Susie Bates. She's playing. You can't. Oh, you can't get rid of Mara. Like, oh, not Shabbat. So it's, <laughs> there's just kind of no. I think this is also something we've noticed this year compared to last year because this year, you know, no offense to people that played last year, but the quality is so much better this year, I think. And the caliber of players is a lot higher in terms of people haven't been brought in because of COVID. Um, and I think a lot of people, it's great they got opportunity last year, but actually this year, you've only got the best yeah. sort of thing. Um, and I think that's what's kind of made the tournament a bit better because, you know, you've had your Aussie overseas, you've had the best regional players, you know, really good regional players have missed out on contracts. Yes. Um, but that's just because they're on another, you know, if if you look at some of the the dugouts of the teams, it's like, well, why is that person on the bench? But it's like, well, who else would you, who would you drop to fit that person in? Um, so I think it's it's a good problem to have. Um, but it, yeah, it's been interesting. I think some players, you know, will will miss out on um, on game time. But at the end of the day, you want your best team playing. Absolutely. And then finally, the match that's just happened. Yeah, Southern Brave v Manchester Originals. Um, Southern Brave won. Uh, what a surprise. Um, but I did think Originals did well to kind of hang on until they did. Or did um, badly not to win it. When yeah. from Because they were in a winning position. They, they should have won. Um, they should have won, but I'm glad they didn't get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> um, because the, the danger with kind of Southern Brave is that they take you on and that's that's what kind of was starting to happen um from Southern Braves batting as the first couple of overs you know when you've got Smriti Mandarin and Danny White it's very dangerous those two have been extraordinary mm-hmm. They're so consistent and really really setting a great platform for Southern yeah. Brave and and they again they're looking invincible aren't they they're, yeah. they're not the oval invincibles <laughs> they're the Southern Brave invincibles yeah. uh, but they're they're looking very very strong indeed mm-hmm. Um, but Emma Lamb played really well, 57 from 45. She just needed people to stick with her and then she got out. Um, Amanda Jade Wellington, we spoke a lot about her last year um, and we didn't really know much about her at the mm-hmm. time, but she is remarkable. And as mu- I love Alana King, don't get me wrong, but I also can't see, like, how do you justify leaving her out of the Aussie squad? Surely there's a way that both of them can be part of that team. What, why are Australia allowed to have two absolutely yeah, fantastic legs? Yeah, why? I mean, I love Sarah Clive, but can you give one to us? <laughs> um, no, I mean, Amanda's been amazing. And I think Anya Shrubstall said it. She was like, well, we just bring her on to take wickets. And she and she does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she's, she's a great player. So it's just annoying she doesn't have an English passport <laughs> British passport that'd be wonderful um but no she's a top player we saw you know WBBL she took the most wickets so um I would imagine she'd be up there for the hundred getting the most wickets yeah and, and um, she just needs to do what she does and, and yeah. the rewards will come yeah so that's all the games for this week mm. uh there's obviously constantly more games every single day so who've, who've been your standout players from what you've seen so far Standout players? That's a really good question. Um, I think I'd have to say, obviously, with overseas, Susie Bates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's been very consistent. Yeah. Um, then, 
Oh, you've really put me on spot. I didn't think about this. Um, well, I, I think, I mean, I think Stritty Mandana and Danny Wyatt at the top of the order for yeah. sort of brave have been absolutely brilliant. I just think Beth Mooney with that yeah. innings, absolutely fantastic. My question is whether she can actually almost single-handedly mm. carry London Spirit to a couple of wins yeah. as they go through. Because, you know, absolute top quality. Mm. And I think we're going to see a lot of really good um, contributions from players like Alyssa Healy as we yeah. go through uh, the tournament. So I'm really excited about it, really enjoying watching it as well. It's yeah. like on the back of the Commonwealth Games, we just had this amazing run of free-to-air cricket yeah. to watch, haven't we? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. So I really, really enjoyed that for the whole of the summer mm -hmm. and um, and really enjoying watching the 100. Yeah. I don't think there's any other major cricket news. I say that, I bet there's something massive that I've just forgotten about that we haven't mentioned. But Well, the 100 is the biggest thing in town at the moment, yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's been major news. Uh, shall we get on with our interview? Yes. Yes, so we managed to get hold of an Oval Invincible. Mm -hmm. uh, so we spoke to Grace Gibbs, who's one of those players who is all, is on the bench at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there are just so many good players that could be getting in that team. But it's like, well, how do you pick your starting eleven? Yes, whereas last um, year, I think she played She played most of the She played in the final. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose comparing last year to this year, but, um, no, it's really interesting to chat to her because she's not a professional cricketer, mm -hmm. um, and she has a job alongside it. And, um, and so yeah, it was kind of great to hear her perspective and then her experiences of being in, you know, such a professional setup with the hundred. Um, so enjoy our chat with Grace Gibbs. I got into the game when I was about six, six or seven. I was in primary school and um, I had a company come in and sort of deliver like the after school clubs. Um, and they sort of picked me up from there and um, invited me. Basically, my mum worked at the school. So every after school club I sort of had to do because this might, it was my only way home <laughs> being with her. So um yeah, so they invited me down to District Trials in Lewisham, where I live. And literally since then, I've got into the Kent under-11s when I was eight. And then since then, um, played played for Kent, obviously played for Kent Women's now, went through all the age groups, done some England stuff when I was younger in sort of like the under-19s and the academy. And then done the Super League as well the four years of the Super League with the Surrey Stars which was which was great I was sort of at uni as well um for like the beginning of that um so that was a bit difficult to try and balance and now obviously the last two years with the 100 as well with the Oval Invincible so yeah sort of it's been a very long career so far. That's ama amazing isn't it because so many of these stories we hear is of people who yeah, their families have been very much part of cricket clubs and they had a dad who mm. played or brothers that played and that sort of thing. But actually it shows that when you put cricket into school and expose people to it who wouldn't normally come across it, then you do unearth mm. talent, don't you? And you give people opportunity that otherwise they wouldn't have. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I went to state schools in Lewisham and 
if I hadn't have gone to sort of like that after school club that was put on by the school I probably wouldn't have got into it because my school didn't do my secondary school didn't do cricket at all um but luckily enough at that point I was already playing so but yes I think it does it needs to be brought in um at the earlier years and before um I started my new job I worked in a school um in South East London um a private school in South East London and they when I first got there that's when they had first sort of changed that cricket would be on the curriculum um rather than just sort of like an extra curricular curricular activity so yeah it's sort of that was only maybe four years ago I think or something like that so it's get it's getting there slowly yeah and um talk to us a bit about the KSL because obviously it was like very different days to kind of now in terms of professionalism and obviously it was like mm. kind of quite new in terms of it was a really big opportunity yeah no massively like so the first year I was actually a bit surprised to uh, to be selected for the sorry starts because I had just had an operation on my knee um so to still sort of be selected by them and so I didn't play any of the games in the first year because I was still sort of in like the rehab uh process of my knee but just to be around sort of like the caliber of players that there was obviously we had um overseas we had internationals and stuff like that so to be able to sort of take things from all them players and sort of implement them into your own game was massive and it was like the first time that any sort of domestic player in England was able to do that in the women's game it was sort of like the first competition that allowed us to do that then obviously yeah the second year um was a lot a lot better like I played I played in the second year then obviously we won it in the third year so that was that was great even though I ended up rupturing my ACL during the competition that time um so I played maybe I think the first six or so games and then wasn't able to play the rest of it but again the support that I had from the team and the support staff from both sort of like a mental and an actual physical um basis was was massive and and meant that I was able to sort of get through my recovery as as well as I could anyway I mean that's a major injury isn't it which we we kind of hear quite a lot of related to women's sport um at the moment oh massive yeah and so but you mentioned before that so you're you're are you a professional or what or have you got a professional contract or are you still no uh, so i no so i don't so um we've got a few girls not uh, so domestically i don't um obviously i have a full-time job outside of cricket as well so being able trying to balance that especially during the domestic time it's not as much uh, because it's a lot more open to change like with the training sessions and obviously it's a, a lot longer competition whereas trying to balance it during the hundred um is going well so far um yeah that was a sort of a big factor when I initially re-signed was um at that point I hadn't actually known that I had got into the job that I am doing now um so obviously yeah, I spoke with spoke with the coaches and everything like that and yeah it's been they've been great with it like the support that I've had um from both my job and from cricket has made it a lot easier 
Yeah, I, and, I, and I guess linking that to your injury, that potentially when you get an injury like that doing sport, it could have implications to your job outside of cricket as well. Like you might have to take time off and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, are people understanding about that? Or does that sort of create... Uh, they, yeah, they are, they are, yeah, they are to an extent, I guess. Um, I'm quite lucky the job that I'm in um, a very good injury-wise if I did have an injury there's people I can see and places I can go and stuff like that whereas uh, if I was sort of still working at the school that could be that might be different like it would sort of be off my own back trying to figure out because yeah if I'm not there there's no one that's not be able to deliver sessions and stuff like that so yes it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to actually put it into words sort of how supportive and but how different it is this year round in comparison to last year um and I'm just hoping fingers crossed that I do have no injuries this year <laughs> yeah and chat to us a bit about the 100 last year because obviously you're in the winning team and so obviously that there must have been a, a great experience and a great tournament for you oh yeah it was massive like it was Obviously, it was nothing that anyone had ever played before. So to start off with a foundation of a, a whole new format of cricket and to see how well it went from even that first game, the first um, standalone women's game at the Oval that we played, like I think it was like nearly sold out the Oval or whether it did sell out the Oval, like that's that was massive for a standalone women's game. And it just sort of grew from there. And it was all a bit of a whirlwind, to be fair, because it was only like four weeks and you're sort of, you're playing a game, you might have a rest day, but then you're travelling somewhere else and then you're playing again and then you're training. Like it, would, it went so quickly, but yeah, the whole experience was, it was ridiculous. And obviously, yeah, being able to play on or play at the grounds that we did and then obviously eventually yeah win the whole thing in in the way that we did as well when the final was yeah it was, it was unreal to be fair it, it was amazing we were not at the final but we were at the eliminator at the oval which is mm. an absolutely incredible mm. game uh which yeah it, I, I yeah i say to a lot of people i actually think the eliminator was a better game of cricket than the final. I think it it was just swaying between the two teams constantly on, on who was going to win and who was sort of on top. And there were sort of game-changing moments that from our side that sort of was like, yeah, we've got this now. And then obviously, yeah, it happened and we won that. And then, yeah, for me, yeah, the Eliminator was a much better game of cricket. And it was... It, yeah, I preferred the eliminated to the final, to be honest. I remember Danny Van Nierke called a timeout probably halfway through the the Phoenix innings, and it, it was looking pretty desperate for you. <laughs> like, you're, you're yeah. definitely going to lose this game. And suddenly, from that moment, everything changed. Yeah, massively. Like, I remember there's one thing that Danae sort of always says to us, sort of, whether it be in team talks or in huddles and something like that. And she said it in that moment. And she also, she just says to us, she goes, drive it like you stole it. So we basically foot on the pedal, all guns blazing. And 
we just I feel like in that moment because we sort of let we let the game get away from us and it was sort of like you could see that everyone's sort of heads were going down a bit and it was almost like what can we do to to claw this back and we were like you know what? it takes one spectacular moment and then I think it was literally in the next set of five Tash took that unreal catch um to get out I think it was Erin Burns or someone that was an in batter at the time and then the set of five after we got Amy Jones out as well and like then it was like that was they they were the two moments that we were just like this is ours now like we are not letting anyone take this like it was yeah it, it was ridiculous and to do it in front of a home crowd as well was uh yeah second to none yeah and then it was great in the final obviously just so dominant over Southern Brave who had been so dominant in the tournament uh previously and looked I suppose unbeatable um and then to go on and thrash them and and take the trophy in that in that first year uh, must have been incredible you know standing up there lifting the trophy with all the fireworks going off and stuff yeah, it was mad. I mean, yeah, the final was uh, there's something else. I don't. We we knew that uh, we knew that we would be able to defend a score like that purely because of the evening before we had put on quite a similar score. Um, but sort of to do it in that fashion, like we like we did, and like Cappy's first set of ten, it just set the tone massively. I think I think that she got three wickets in the first ten balls. And it was, you'd be, I was stood on the pitch like this isn't happening. Because like you said, um, Brave was so dominant, the whole competition. And, and they they were dominant against us in the group games as well. But yeah, it was just, it was ridiculous. And like to have our families there and like you said, lifting the trophy in front of all them people and the atmosphere. And I remember after the game, the first thing that we sort of all done was just go over to our families because of COVID we weren't during the competition weren't able to be within two meters of them so they'd be at the games and they'd be there and they've gone through this journey with you but you weren't allowed to actually interact with them and I just remember us going the competition's over now for us like we can go actually go and we all just ran over to our families I'll give my mum that the biggest hug like if I don't, it did, at that point, winning didn't really matter, like the actual game, but it was just, just seeing them after such a long time, because obviously he was living in hotels as well, like, and being able to do that, it was just like some form of normality again. And then it all sort of kicked in that we had, we had again, just won the 100, yeah. What's the difference between Oval Invincibles last year and Oval That was my question, that was my question. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> Difference wise, obviously we've um, we've brought in um, a few more players because uh, we had lost a few. So um, brought in the likes of Ailish Cranstone, um, and then obviously our wild card as well in the overseas picks with Susie Bates is just having the caliber of international players that we have is just is ridiculous. Like the amount of information we can take from them. And just the level they've played at and and who they are, like how good they are. Um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, we've brought in, we've got a few younger girls as well that have come in and throughout the first few games has, have really sort of showed us why they should be there and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a lot different. It's, it seems a lot more, 
not like I wouldn't say chilled, but I think everyone's a lot more at ease this year because we know what we're doing in a sense of the actual competition and we are also able to sort of live our lives alongside the competition. Like we are able to sort of go out for dinner as a group and go home if we have some rest days we can actually pop home and see our see our families and stuff like that so yeah it's it's I'm liking the vibe at the moment it's good yeah I mean you've done very very well with the overseas players that you've got but it's actually given you a problem hasn't it and that you've got four yeah. absolute world-class players and you can only play three of them at once <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad I'm not the person who has to decide on that that's our mind believe me and, and yeah of course I mean the last year the big a breakthrough player for Oval was Alice Capsey, um, mm. who of course is doing equally well this year. But yeah, we've got our own Sophia Smale as well, mm. who I think has just had a fantastic start to the tournament too. Yeah, obviously, yeah, like you say, Al really sort of smashed it last year and wasn't, um, I don't think she was ever thinking, if she had looked at herself last year and looked at herself this year, I, I think she'd be the first person to say like, how, how has this happened? But she's, she's class like she is so good especially for her age obviously she's only just turned 18 like she's still so young and the talent that she has is yeah it's ridiculous um and Soph as well sort of coming in um towards the end of sort of like the the window to be able to sign people um I I think she actually replaced someone we had an in I think we might have had an injury I think it was Emma Jones or something obviously has done something to her um her foot so they've brought Sophie in and I mean she's done so well like I think um well yeah we had a little team meeting today and our head coach JB was saying on um on Sunday she bowled 20 20 balls for 12 runs and took two wickets and I'm thinking you're 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 a teenager playing in one of the biggest competitions there is in front of over 14,000 people at the Oval against world-class players and you're you're pulling out figures like that. Like, it's ridiculous. I feel like these, the young, young players just don't feel any pressure. Like, they're showing all us old people up. When, when we talked to her a few weeks ago, uh, before all this happened, we were joking that she only gets A-listers out when she's bowling because we like going through her a figures I think she'd got um donks out yes, yeah. uh, but then she's added quite a few scalps to it <laughs> Alyssa Healy the other day <laughs> Alyssa Healy out like one of the world's best batters and she's just so she's just so calm about it like we've yeah JB yeah. said it in the thing today and we're all giving her a round of applause and she just sits there like yeah <laughs> I'm like man you don't realize what you're doing but keep doing it <laughs> Well, I mean, this is the thing with this generation that's coming through. It's like they are unfazed, aren't they? And it's almost like there's that naivety you have um, at that age that you can actually do anything. And I, I, just, I just wonder for players of your generation whether it, there's that sense that you're kind of, they're taking over a little bit. Or, or, you know, maybe you're being left behind. You know, there's this, this whole new generation of really, you know, 10 years younger than new players coming in who are suddenly starting to, you know, boss it and and you know play with so much confidence and so on. Yeah, no, completely. No, I completely get where you're coming from. I think, uh, I think uh, back when I was sort of, well, God, it's gonna be like ten years ago now. Um, the game was completely different. There was nothing like the opportunities that the 
these young girls. So I'm never, I'm never been, I'm never gonna be a person to be like, oh my god, like why, why are they playing? Like opportunities because I think you know what I think it's good. Look, if with the squad wise and selection and stuff like that, we all know that our our coaches want to pick the squad that they believe is going to win. It's such a short competition. You have to pick the squad that you believe is going to win that game for you. And if they're in it ahead of someone like me or anyone else, then fair play. You have to respect that decision. Like that doesn't, that's never been something that I've bit would ever get sort of like annoyed or a bit like antsy about because I would do the exact same as a coach. So, and I've, I've, I have coached in the past and I've had to make decisions where, oh God, I think uh, they're going to be annoyed at me or people, there's going to be backlash from making this decision, but you've got to do what's right for the team in that moment. And you pick the team that you believe is the best in that moment. Sometimes it backfires. Sometimes it comes to avail. And I think with these young girls, it's definitely, yeah, definitely come to avail. And, and uh, in the 100 this year, is it different as well in terms of how much you can interact and how much connection you have with the men's oval team? Because uh, I know there was like COVID bubbles and, and stuff last year. And has, has there been chance for sort of interaction and sharing of ideas and resources? Or do you kind of operate as pretty much two separate teams? Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's completely different to last year. Like you said, with COVID bubbles, we were completely separate. Um, this year there is there's opportunity for it and um, it was a bit difficult because when we first um, met up as a team us women uh, the men were away I think they were in Cardiff playing so they were away for a few nights so they weren't actually at the hotel um, or at the Oval when we were training but we've not done anything as of yet as in sort of like joint like socially or anything like that but we've always done if we've had like appearances there's always been a mixture of the men and the women there and um a lot of the time we'll see them we'll see them in the hotel we see them sort of around the oval at training and stuff like that and it's not there's no like divide in that sense it's not a men's team and a women's team it's yeah we are sort of we've always said we said it in the meeting as well we want to be sort of like one club with two teams coming out of it rather than sort of like completely separate um never know there might be towards the end of the competition a chance to sort of socialize a bit more and because obviously it's so manic at the moment there's so such little time between games that it's just yeah it's sort of 120 miles an hour and yeah you don't really have time to think about it to be honest well, maybe you'll both be at Lords for the for the final day. That would be yeah, that would be good, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. That's, that's what we're planning anyway. That's yeah. Socialise. <laughs> yeah, that would be our big social event. Yeah. So of course you've you've lost to Southern Brave already in this tournament, which you did last year, and then went on to lift the trophy anyway. How do you rate your chances of uh, of being at Lords in that final? I think oh, I'm always um, I'm always going to say that. I, I rate us massively. I think if you look at the the team that we have, and we yeah we lost to Brave, but we lost to them by I think like twelve runs or something like that. Like it wasn't, and we know we didn't play our best cricket. Um, so, and obviously, 
we had lost a couple of players from the game before in a sense of um, Alice and Danae and stuff like that. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I going to back us um, to be there, to be there on the, be there at Lords on the, I think it's the 3rd, 3rd of September. But, um, yeah, no, I think if we can sort of, in the next couple of games, obviously we've got a game tomorrow against um, Trent Rockets and then two more, I believe, after that. Um, if we can be at our best for them games, then, it, yeah, it sets us in real sort of good stead to either be directly into the final or at least top three, so we're in the Eliminator. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're playing Manchester at some point. And both Manchester and Trent have had quite low-scoring games and stuff. Mm. And obviously, batting is definitely a strength. I mean, I would back over. I, I do support over you know, we're not, I've never supported another team, but, um, you know, I would back over all the way in terms of they have such a good chance. Um, so I've been very impressed with. with the yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, don't say anyone, don't tell anyone else this, but I think Welsh Fire are going to come bottom again. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Manchester and Trent are going to be sort of, sort of with them in the bottom three. And so it's just a case of what order the rest is. I'd imagine Southern Brave will win all their games again. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I'd imagine it, it could be the same top three as last year mm. with, with with Oval and Phoenix being in the top. Yeah, three. I mean Phoenix are Phoenix are going strong, aren't they? At the moment, I was looking at the table earlier, and obviously they've won both their games so far. And I think they've really been sort of bolstered with the overseas that they've brought in. Yeah, obviously they've got divine. They was meant to have divine last year, but actually having their being able to play Elise Perry like. They're He's all right, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> average, average players. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've really sort of like, yeah, they're going to have a good impact on their team. But um, our, our team is as good as anyone else's. So I think it all just sort of depends on the day. It, it's the match on the day. Like you said, Brave last year won all of their games absolutely basically annihilated a lot of teams in the run-up and then look what happened in the final it means nothing it means absolutely nothing how well you do in the group games as long as you can get top three you give yourself a chance that's so that's what we're aiming for at the moment we're aiming for top three and then if we get that then we think about the rest of it well we're really excited mm. it was great for us fans just because i mean we've just had the commonwealth games mm. where we've got you know cricket TV every day and then as soon as that comes to an end straight into the 100 and we've got it it's just a dream summer for us fans yeah it is uh it was massive but I'm not to be fair I'm not a massive massive like watcher of the game myself like if I know people that are playing so like obviously the Commonwealth I tried to watch as much as I could sort of alongside work um but like sort of, and and the women's, especially I watch a lot of the women's, or I try to anyway. But like I'm not a, I'm not a massive player. I would not sit there and sort of watch a game from like start to finish. I probably have it on in the background and stuff like that. But seeing how much the hundred just sort of went from like here to here, is ridiculous. Like the amount, the tickets that they sold, what venues selling out. I think yeah, it was like. At the cutoff point for Sunday, we had like fourteen and a half thousand people in at the Oval watching just the women's game. Like that's 
unreal. Like I think we had, I think the final last year was about 14 and a half and then it went up um, sort of later on in the day. It's like 14 and a half thousand people have literally come to watch us play cricket. Like, and I think the whole last year, the hundred, the Commonwealth this year is, is the reason for that happening massively. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? The way that's all kind of happened together because I, you know, Ed Justin was like 20,000 for Commonwealth Games matches, not even ones including England. It, mm. You know, and, and I think once you give exposure to this, people will buy into it and they'll, they'll want to be part of it, which is, you know, absolutely brilliant. But I think it's, a, it's about having that exposure and that marketing mm. to go with it. I think what, the 100 are particularly good, the marketing side of it. They'll, uh, you know, if, if anyone's got a vague interest, they'll have loads of things coming into their inbox and on their social media about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Come along. And then when they do come along, they generally have a really good time and tell us about it, don't they? Yeah, I think I think everything that they've done with it, like you said, marketing-wise and even at the games, like it's an experience to go to the game, not even just for the cricket. Like the amount of stuff they've got going on. We was walking around the Oval the other day and there's like, there's like foam pits that you can do like diving catches into and like you know like the walls with the light up buttons and it's like reaction time and if there's so much going on that it doesn't even surprise me that half the people are probably out on the concord instead of even watching the games because there's just so much and I think they've done so well to sort of capture that audience that they wanted like especially in children and families they've they they got that last year and to be able to actually continue that through to this year and cater for that audience specifically is yeah they've done so so well with it yeah and I think something I've noticed I mean I saw it a little bit last year but certainly this year um the other day I was at um Old Trafford and actually so many people in the crowd had original shirts on they had hats they had you know shirts with players names on like they had I saw so many people with like Eccleston 19 on the back and I was like that's so cool because like you never see that normally um but people have have formed these connections with teams and really kind of like got behind got behind their local teams yeah, yeah, that is really that is an amazing part of it isn't it because you know we could go to Rachel Hale Flint games or Charlotte Edwards Cup games and no, you know, I, I think some Vipers fans have like an orange oh, flag or something. Of course like they that. do. But, but but there's there's just there's no merch. There's there's yeah. there's nothing that kind of affiliates you to that team in the way that the hundred have just almost done overnight. Um, yeah. You know, which is just amazing the way they've done that. Yeah, completely. I think um, it was like um, especially last year, sort of. Uh, was a bit of a it was a different I feel I can imagine it being quite difficult because you start you've started something brand brand new you're asking these people that some of them are like lifelong red ball cricket fans to sort of buy into this whole new format whole new team everything and I mean yeah it's happened like like you say the amount of people we see with the hats on or, the, or the, even just the tops or even just sort of like I think the hundred do specific like t-shirts as well that literally just say the hundred on or something like that like everything and like even all events that or appearances I've been at like people have been sort of handing out like water bottles and that little tote bags like there's just so much to it that they've done to advertise it it's just yeah it's it's ridiculous in comparison to like you say 
I think like Vipers is probably the only team that has any sort of merchandise that the fans sort of buy into and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm very similar to you. I think when whenever we've played Vipers with the stars, you see sort of yeah, like some flags and a couple of like <laughs> orange t-shirts and stuff like that. But that's about that's about it. It's nothing like nothing like what the hundreds done, no. Well, we, we want to wish you and Oval Invincibles all the best for the rest of the tournament because I think you've made a great yeah. start. We've, um, yeah, I think you've got some amazing players there, yeah, some of whom have been on our podcast. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think you're going to do really, really, really well and maybe even retain the trophy. That's what we're hoping for anyway. No, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be at, have you seen Manchester Oval? Well, I am. Oh, I, I, I don't know. You just tell me where to turn up and okay. where to drive you to, and I go there. So um, possibly we might be there <laughs> to yeah. watch you in one game. Yeah. I think it's yeah. I think we're playing them on the thirty first. That rings a bell. Later. Rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Well, we'll wave to you on the boundary or something. <laughs> yeah. I expect to see you in Oval Invincibles kit though. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always. <laughs> So that was brilliant, and we wish Grace and the mm -hmm. Oval Invincibles every bit of luck they need. <laughs> uh, fair for the rest of the tournament. I think they're going to get. I think they're going to be in the eliminator again. Yeah, you'd imagine. You'd imagine. Um, I imagine if it's exactly the same as last year. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, have you got anything else to, to add? No, just to say, Polly, it's great to be back. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the break, but it's great to be back. Yeah. Uh, if people want to uh, like us and follow us and all that sort of thing, what, yeah. do, what do they have to do? Uh, you can follow our social media, which is North Child Podcast. That's Instagram and YouTube. And then our Twitter is OO Child Podcast. Uh, and I think that's everything. And we'll be back next week with another guest, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>